the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for The Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Hi, I'm Eric Galindo Training Director for the FSI Training School For individuals and businesses we offer certification courses in CPR and First Aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian Scout through the Book of Books, Soapy Dollar. How many questions do we have tonight? About 35 or 40 questions ready for you to answer? Uh, we have a lot of them. 
We have a lot. What did I do with my set of questions? I don't know. Did I give them to John just then? No, I have no idea. There we go. We've got about 35 or 40 questions for you to answer or that you could you could um, take a shot at at least tonight. All of our questions come from 1 Kings chapter 3 through chapter 18. So all of the questions come from one book of the Bible, the book of 1 Kings. Of course, 1 and 2 Kings were originally one book, one work of history, one presentation. Now, what, what are your thoughts? Thought to be written by maybe Samuel, I've heard? Uh, Samuel, I believe. That's All correct. right. Well, well um, let me turn my microphone up a bit. I think I'm down pretty low. Which one is my mic? There you go. Just barely coming through. Pump it up a little bit more, John, so we can be heard out there. I'll yell a little louder. Thanks. That's good. Good, everyone. Thanks for joining us. We All of our questions coming from the book of 1 Kings, chapter 3 through chapter 18. Very uh, interesting segment of history. And, of course, Jacob is here with me. We're going to talk about this uh, history, this little slice of history out of the uh, the times of, uh, let's see, it was King David and Solomon. Well, at first it was Saul, King Saul from the tribe of Benjamin, then David from the tribe of, uh, tribe of Judah, and now his son Solomon. So we'll talk about the passing of the torch of leadership from David to Solomon and the things that took place. This is a, is this thought of as kind of a great time in the history of the nation and the people of Israel? I, we think of it as kind of the golden age, right? They're, they're at the height of their power, their influence, their wealth, their prosperity in every way. Um, is that the way it's generally viewed in the- uh, Well, yeah, uh, as materialism goes, that's correct. It's not viewed as the, uh, the thing about good teaching, good spirituality, good Bible, you might say, but it's certainly thought of great, as great, uh, wealth and great accumulation. How That's about the true. spiritual, the spiritual climate of the era? Now, David was obvious, it seems like, with all of his warts and all of his difficulties, uh, and struggles and failures, he at least was, seemed to be a sincere, God-seeking man who tried to honor God in his ways and influence for God in the kingdom. So well, I guess that's sometimes where we might take a different view. All right. That, that's that's what I'm looking for. I'm trying to find out. That's I guess what's kind of what we we cut David a lot of slack and, and consider that he gave it a pretty good shot there for forty years. Well, I gotta say, I don't think he did. Okay. And, well and we will, I'm sure Explore that. Is that is that disappointing? Uh, I mean, do do you have an era in the history of Israel that that you look back on, or you look in the scriptures, even scripturally, biblically, and you think of as kind of a a good era, a good time, or was it always just sort of a kind of a downward spiral? Well, it's about uh, it's about it during certain people and certain people's reigns. There were good times, certainly. So I don't know if it's an error as much as a good leader and a good person. It's very much, if I may be so brash, as it suggests that it's very much like, uh, I can't say the Muslim world, that's a different matter, but I can say very much like the Christian world today. It's right. it's very much, in fact, I've often wondered, and regretfully so, if the forecast and drama that's set off in the Book of Kings is not uh, a prophecy for the Christian world. I suspect it is because you said many times 
and I think it's true that there are cycles. Uh, the, this cycle of, of God's judgment, and I'm sorry, people repent and and can, you know re- repent of sin and turn from sin, and then they experience forgiveness and restoration, and then they there's kind of an upswing of things go better, and then another generation comes along, and maybe the uh, down we go again. And, and, and generally speaking, I know you you've taught me that the Bible has a lot of that, the, the, these cycles. And, of course, I know the book of Revelation is actually focused. I, I happen to think the book of Revelation, that's part of the message of the, the this prophetic work, the apocalyptic work from John the Old in the New Testament, is that it's showing these these patterns mm-hmm. that you know the the this judgment uh, of the of what of the you have the judgment of the bowls and then you have the judgment of the trumpets mm-hmm. and this cycle of repeated judgments and then restoration and forgiveness and then judgment again. Uh, <clears throat> part of the lesson is that that that's going to be until God brings a halt to the to the process and in uh, time as we know it ends. But well, let me say this in a, a good answer to your question. There are three periods that really occur in Jewish history that are really the highlight. Okay. And tell us a lot about God. One is the, in Jewish history, the exodus from Egypt. Okay. Uh Two is the Torah at Mount Sinai. Three is the building of the temple. Now, those are very, very important dramas and lessons in the Old Testament. So you're talking about the building of Solomon's temple. Uh, We're talking about the building and the second building. And see, the Jews have always understood, believe it or not, the Jews have understood since the beginning that there will be three temples. And the third one is coming. All right. And now that people say, well, how how could you put your heart into building Solomon's temple? The first thing, if you knew there would be three, because, and this was a topic that you brought up before the show, the Jews accept the responsibility that God gave them. That's the ideal thing to do. And so if there's going to be three, then I have to understand that I am traveling through the desert for 40 years, or in this case, let's say 4,000 years. Mm -hmm. And at the end will be what we would call as a symbolic thing, a physical item, Israel. And that would be the symbolic physical item of what I think the Christians refer to as heaven. So the third temple must be built, and the Jews have always understood it. Hmm. So that's a totally. But, it, but do you time. understand that actually from the scriptures? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, well, that would be interesting for you. Well, you have show us how you Abraham, get that. Isaac, Jacob, and they all built wells. The well, the flowing water, is the idea of the temple. So there will be three. Oh, that's interesting. To make that parallel, because the temple, uh, uh-huh. even the temple, I'm thinking of Ezekiel. It talks about that river that exactly, flows exactly, yeah. sure. And Torah, the teaching of Torah, is actually in the very first Psalm, a tree planted by the water. The tree is a man. The water is the Torah. Interesting. All and right. and well. the reason I think it's difficult for you know people yeah. not familiar with the language is because the words are spoken symbolically and in a picture, but they actually come out very, very close to what Christians understand, except. It's explained in picture form as opposed to a very Greek or English hardcore definitive word. Well, that's what you and I were talking about before the program tonight is that 
as as Christians, we have a in almost all of our sermons and all of our messages, mm-hmm. there is this automatic closure. There is this. Uh, I mean, we can preach about any topic. We can preach about home and family and marriage life. We can talk about uh, parents and children. We Donations. Can talk about career choices. <laughs> we, what? Donations. Donations. <laughs> We're pretty good at that. <laughs> uh, Work okay. ethic. Did I say that? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we know all the old jokes about the throwing the offering up in the air, yeah, right? Yeah, You've sure. heard all of those. Right, yeah. Uh, so we all take offerings, I suppose. That's a common. Uh, that is something at least we have in common, right? Oh, I'm saying it <laughs> is absolutely in common. Yeah. So so the idea is that we can preach on any of these topics, but uh, as as followers of uh, Yeshua, as followers of Christ, and we when we when that kind of brings a natural closure to any message. In other mm-hmm. words, at the end of the message, we can say, okay, and now and now, in order to, if you've messed up on these rules that we've given you and these, what the Bible tells us, if you've messed up and made a mistake, as all of us have in, mm-hmm. in some point in our life, there's forgiveness and cleansing and restoration in Messiah. He, he bled, he died, he took the penalty of our sin. So you can come today and receive his forgiveness and his cleansing. If you... Uh, you know, once you've done that, or if you you come today and your heart's right, and you're just ready to continue on and mm-hmm. make another significant step forward, yep. you'll need God's help along the way. And right. and come today, and, yeah. and, and the Holy Spirit, Jesus is with you, yeah. and He's going to. So we have this natural closure uh, of our message that ends in a message of hope and 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 you know the, what we call the gospel, the good news. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering in the in the Jewish context, when you teach and preach about relationships and being a good person and treating people right and uh, work ethic and career choices and, uh, you know, all of these different fidelity and faithfulness in marriage and so on, and when you do you have that same closure? Uh, in other words, is there any such thing as a an invitation time? You know, and with Billy Graham or with most of, uh, not most, I won't say, because there's a lot of, it's not like all Christians live in lockstep, and not all Christian churches are real churches. There's there's an apostate, corrupted, compromised uh, churches as well who have walked away from the gospel, walked away from the biblical God. Don't God get me started, Seal. So, Don't get me started. Okay, so we have, but we do have in other churches. We, we have this time we call it invitation time when you uh, come to Jesus right, and yeah. you get your heart right and you kind of you kind of settle anything that's outstanding between you and God. Do you, does a, a Jewish rabbi, do you all have your invitation moment? Do you have a, a public invitation where you say, okay, now I want you, those of you who are willing to repent and turn from your sins and come and be forgiven and receive God's forgiveness, or, or you've made a mistake, you want to come and receive God's forgiveness and cleanse, come forward now and receive by faith the goodness and the grace of God. I mean, do you all have something like an invitation time in the, in the, in the Jewish experience, the worship experience, uh, there is not an invitation time during services. But uh, you know what? I'm not. I don't mean really, literally an invitation. But I'm right. talking about the spirit of the invitation right. time. Is the, okay. the time of if closure talking, with God? Yeah. If we're talking about the spirit of thing, of course. Well, what do y'all do? Well, uh, first <laughs> of all, you have to the uh, the. Word. I'm guessing you have to take off your shoes and do some. No. Yeah, but we, I'm not trying to be we, disrespectful. No, no, we always wear clean underwear also. <laughs> uh, no, it's a joke. <laughs> the, uh, but it, it certainly, uh, the word actually, believe it or not, is teshuva. And it's what 
the Christians have gone through the Greek and said repentance, but it actually means return to God because God is the originator. So if you varied, you varied. Now you do teshuva or you return. That begins, one, with the recognition that you have done wrong or sinned. Okay. Two, a sincere repentance. Three, actions to correct what you've done wrong. And four, don't do it again. Okay, questions. Do you, when you say actions to show that you, uh, well, let's say repentance and you turn from your sin, Mm -hmm. is there any closure in the sense of receive the forgiveness of God? Oh, by uh, faith, God has forgiven you. You can walk out of this room today. By doing teshuva. You can walk out of this room today. If you've truly and sincerely repented, Uh you can know that God has forgiven you. The Jews know that God has forgiven. And and I think one of the fundamental rules that we really kind of grasp is, or got to acknowledge is, one, the idea of uh, faith is existence in uh, Jewish thought. But, you see, the Jews, contrary to, sadly, what's kind of misunderstood in the Christian world, it is not that you have to uh, just have faith. You and the doing the mitzvah, the good deeds that are listed in the Bible, do not, in a Jewish mind, get you to heaven. No, they. No. I know. But see, you know that, but I, I would register that most people don't know that. Actually, what it is, it's about, uh, it's how to live in this world. The Jews are, have a statement. They say there is no Torah in heaven. Well, why is there no Torah in heaven? We don't need the Torah. We have God. So God gave us. And I say us, I'm including every human being. I don't care mm-hmm. if they're Muslim or whoever. The Torah is the Torah. And everybody. And so he gave us how to live in this world. In fact, I would be so brash and as to suggest Jesus was teaching Torah when he said in Matthew, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will in heaven is to do the Torah. Therefore, he gave us a book. He said, this is how I want you to make the world that you live in like heaven, I want you to do the things that I would do, but mm-hmm. you do it. Because the Torah is the expression of his character. Of well, his actually, being. believe it or not, in the Psalms, that uh, your will on earth is done in heaven, that actually occurs in one of the Psalms, and it says, your will on earth is to do Torah. Believe it or not, it's actually mm-hmm. stated in the, in it's the Psalms. It's his character. It's his, it's his being, his essence. So it doesn't get you to so, heaven. Yeah. So does God forgive? Do the Jews have the concept of forgiving? Of course. Well, you said something interesting to me. Uh, and folks, you're invited into this conversation. Yeah. We're going we're to answer some Is there anybody questions. out there? <laughs> we're going to ask some questions just a moment from the book of First Kings. And you're welcome to give us a call, 340-9585. If you'd like to enter the conversation, ask your question, uh, you're certainly welcome to do so. You said, Jacob, that that you you don't you didn't use the word presume, and I don't mean that. But you you said the Jews understand that God is forgiving and cleansing, but but I'm I'm kind of wondering. See, that is that is the closing point for us as Christian believers is that. we we discover that God is forgiving and that God is holy, that God has made a provision for our forgiveness by in the message of Jesus because the, the wrath of God, the judgment of God is poured out on his son. And so therefore we we trust that and we 
that we we do believe then that God is judging and uh, that God is um, forgiving us. We receive that. For, it's a real thing. So that's why we say when you come to Jesus, you forgive his, you receive his forgiveness by because Jesus is a picture. As you, he's the actual real demonstration yes, of huh? the fact that that God is forgiving you before, right. because His judgment His was poured out on His own Son, and so right. we we understand it. In your world, in the world, I don't mean to say it like that. That sounds terrible. But uh, uh, the, the sky your, is blue. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. They, on what basis? You said we know that God uh, is forgiving. Yes, sir. And, and then, on what basis do you understand that God is forgiving? And on what basis do you receive mm-hmm. God's forgiveness? I mean, on in other words, we receive it, of course, both by faith is going to be the answer to both mm-hmm. those questions. Mm-hmm. But we. We have a clear faith uh, example right. that, well, we receive it by faith in who Jesus was and what he accomplished on our behalf. He took our, de- our sin, our death upon himself. And so, therefore, we, it's a real thing. A real price mm-hmm. was paid. Real atonement was made. And, therefore, we receive by faith the forgiveness and cleansing of God because of the work of Messiah. And d- now, I know that millions of you, also look at and admire Jesus as Messiah, as Redeemer, and so I know it's the same thing. But let's say uh, from uh, from those from the Jewish uh, community and world that that haven't made peace with that truth yet, with with maybe that idea that Jesus. Well, they're is that still long, hoping that the Christians do they still, come over. On what basis yeah. is there forgiveness and cleansing? Uh, by what I said, teshuva. it wouldn't be by on the basis of uh, animal sacrifice. No, teshuva. Okay, teshuva. Uh-huh. Say it again. What uh-huh. teshuva? Is. Well, first, it's the recognition that you have not done what God wanted. Okay. Two, you truly, sincerely repent, not ostensibly repent, but sincerely. Okay. And and then. Um, but the soul that sins, it shall die. The the wages uh-huh. of sin is death. Uh, well, without the shedding of yes. blood, there is no remission. And, and, of and sin. I ha- and I have learned the faster a person talks, the more right they are. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so please go right ahead. <laughs> Thank you. No, but I'm wondering. So, you, you, you know, repentance, those are good things. But on what basis do you receive well, forgiveness? See, that's the Jews have taught and understand from the stories in the Bible. See, you've been given the story of Jesus. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have somebody telling you what it meant, as John say, uh, accept Jesus and you'll be forgiven. If you didn't have that. Let's say that line, because that's a Greek kind of English thing. Uh-huh. If you didn't have that, would you be able to understand what the story meant about Jesus? I'm wondering about that. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is you see, the Jews don't have some line like that, except you do have Moses saying God is long-suffering and he's forgiving. And you have the Ten Commandments that says that he will uh, he, he he's, doesn't like people that hate him, but he's forgiving to people uh, for a thousand generations who obey him. So the Jew, and you see the stories themselves of Israel itself, and then an individual person of Israel. When they repent, you'll go back and you see when, like, Hezekiah repents, what happens? Everything's okay, it gets more life. Okay. So they've got the stories, and actually the stories belong to the Christians too. The yes. difficulty is, is that nobody is explaining what these stories mean. Like I'm saying that John would say to you, well, hey, this is what the story of Jesus means. Well, if the lines were in there, then it would all make sense to the non-Jewish person because the Christians 
tend to be taught and think from the Greek, and they tend to think in English, and Greek and English are very, very large and very powerful, very precise languages. Hebrew is a very small language, so it tells stories, and you must get the meaning from the story. So the concept is there, the concept of atonement, the concept of repentance, the, con- the concept of restoration, the concepts of forgiveness and cleansing and so on, and, and even God's judgment on sin and so on are there, but you kind of have to piece them together. They're not as, they're not as, see, we, I guess that's an advantage we have in the time in which we live post-Messiah mm-hmm. is that the Messiah kind of tied it all together. The Messiah kind of finally gave a sense of closure to it all, made sense of all that went before and gave closure and expression, kind of an easier expression. I, I think that's why the gospel exploded across the Roman Empire, is that the world at that time was filled with millions of men and women who longed for God, wanted God, but all they had was these pagan religions and these pagan uh, systems, and, and, and they didn't make sense, and they were kind of absurd in, on one hand. And all of a sudden there comes this good, clear message from God himself. God has spoken. God has acted in time and space. And he has made a provision. Yes, you can know him. You can right. be forgiven. Yes. And so it was this uh-huh. this positive, affirming, specific, concrete message. Right. Yes. And it just exploded. Men and women. And I agree with you. And I think it was very important. I think it was very important for somebody in the Greek world and the other religions, or other countries, I should say, to have somebody explain what these things were about. And if they didn't catch what the stories meant, you must have somebody to tell you what the story means. And I agree with you. It exploded because it's giving the message that everybody really wants. I want to know if I'm not Jewish. I want to know. Does God accept my repentance? Am I okay? Am I forgiven? Or am I continually, eternally, physically in this world damned? Yeah. But, so, yes, it would explode for exactly the reason. I I assume as well that that Jewish people want to know as well. They want that same... Well, the Jews Jews do know. Yeah, and that was what I was asking about tonight. On what basis do they... You, evidently, you pull it out of... You don't have, we don't have, um, oh, we get it. You get what I'm trying to say. Well, you're so talking we'll, we'll, about Harold's tonight. on the line. Harold, how do you know Harold that? Harold is going to be with us in just a moment. We're going to come uh, back and talk with him after this break. Uh-huh. You can give us a call, folks, 340-9585, and we'll get to the book of First Kings. Don't go away. Uh-huh. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Lux Rest Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work, we had got our oil done before. It could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect they received that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? 
Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist, pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers, and whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to the laptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563, 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the dollar family that Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590-7878. Family has been and will continue to be very important for us at AM630 KSLR. That's why we provide the best in family programming every week, including Focus on the Family weekday mornings at 7.30, Family Life Today weekdays at 9 a.m., Jonathan Park Radio and Adventures in Odyssey Saturday mornings from 7 to 8 a.m., your home for family, AM630 KSLR and KSLR.com. Hello, this is Larry Leninschmidt, host of Hill Country Institute Live, Exploring Christ and Culture inviting you to join us at 11 a.m. on Saturdays as we encourage Christians to think about faith and culture, including faith in art, faith in the workplace, and faith in science. We'll talk about the works of C.S. Lewis, and we'll interview leaders who are feeding the poor, fighting human trafficking, and acting as stewards of the environment. We'll interview authors including Andy Crouch, Oz Guinness, Gabe Lyons, and Nancy Piercy, and we hope you'll join the conversation Saturdays at 11 a.m. here on KSLR. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Harold, everyone. Harold's going to agree with you. We are back. The anchor holds, right. Uh, we are back for the Bible Live Quiz Show. Jacob is here with me. We kind of opened up tonight with, I just had a lot of questions on my mind, but we'll get into the book of First Kings. We'll ask some questions. I know I'm going to bring Harold up in a moment. Let me get some questions out on the airways before we jump to Harold. Uh, Jacob, you can help okay, me here. Okay, Harold, hang on. I'll get a question or two from Psalms. And you get a, two or three questions from the okay, kids, okay, we got it. We got it. From Psalm 68. Psalm 68 mentions Mount Sinai. 
Sinai, I guess you'd pronounce it. So Psalm 68 mentions Mount Sinai. It mentions Mount Salmon. It mentions the mountains of Bashan, uh, Mount Hermon. And it mentions Mount Zion. Okay, so it's a psalm about mountains, I guess. Where is Zion? Can you tell us uh, if you know? This isn't right there in the Bible. I can't point to a chapter and a verse that tells you. I don't guess. Maybe Jacob could. Where Mount Zion is located. But uh, if you could tell us that, give us a call. 340-9585. And then uh, the follow-up question here will be, Oh, look at this from uh, Psalm 69, Psalm 69, verse 9. To whom in the New Testament was Psalm 69, verse 9 applied when he displayed, quote, zeal for the house of God, zeal for the house of God. To whom in the New Testament was Psalm 69, verse 9 applied when he displayed, Zeal for the house of God. And uh, so you would know who is that personality in the New Testament that that uh, that, that passage uh, is applied to his life, to his experience. All right, there's a couple of questions from the book of the Psalms. If you want to try to give us an answer, 340-9585. Jacob's now got some questions from uh, the book of First Kings. Yes, and I'm going to do your number one as number one. Uh, in a famous example of Solomon's wisdom, two women went to court for the custody of a baby they both claimed was theirs. How did Solomon decide which one of the two women was the true mother of the child? Well-known story. Well-known story. Now, uh, number two, what two great, and you, you have the word mistakes, and I'll run with that, but I think it's stronger, but <laughs> what two great mistakes... Did Solomon make during his 40-year reign mistakes that led to Israel to disaster and division? What word would you use? Uh, in, in, intentional actions. Okay. Or maybe iniquities? Or yeah, very good. Yeah, what type of iniquities? Or you might even say transgressions because okay. it's against God. Against God. Okay. Um, okay. And uh, you want another one? Sure. Why not? Okay. One more. All right. Um, let's see. Okay. If you have an answer to these questions, 340-9585. Sure. Solomon, your number nine. Solomon disobeyed God by marrying 700 wives and 300 concubines. Besides the sexual immorality, what other destructive influence did this have upon Solomon and Israel? Okay. Uh-huh. There you go. Chapter 11, verse 3 of the book of First Kings. Great. Yeah, that <laughs> we read that and we just go. I can't even. Oh, imagine. we're gonna we're gonna deal with that. It says besides sexual uh, immorality, I can't even imagine. Of course, the, uh, the Bible doesn't uh, go into detail uh, about his sexual practice with these seven hundred wives and all. Well, actually, you're gonna Do find in chapter six of Song of Songs, if you sit down and understand your reading about his wives. Chapter six of the Song of Solomon. Too much to go into tonight, okay. but you can read chapter six of the Song of Songs. Well, we'll get to it sooner okay. or later. We all read right. every word right, of the Bible. Let, let's give away some presents. Okay, let's go and visit with Harold. Harold is on the line, and Cherie is waiting. You said Cherie, right? Shireen, okay. Hey, Shireen will be right after Harold. Let's get Harold uh, on the line. And, and now we got Harold. Thanks for joining us, Harold. What you got on your mind tonight? 
Well, I called to answer your help you answer your questions. Uh, Get me out of hot water. That's what you called for. Well, not that question. <laughs> you know. Uh, well, okay. Well, you know, you, you cut the baby in half and you give the one to the mother and. There you go. Uh, the deal about all the wives. Uh, Sophie, I'm sorry. Could I, I interrupt? I need help. Could you turn me up a little bit? I can't hear Harold. Oh, well, you need help. Working. I need help. Oh, you can't hear Harold. Uh-huh. Oh, you can't hear Harold. You got a real problem. Because, is yeah. that better? I can't hear me. Harold, oh. say something. Oh, Talk. hi. Okay. Keep talking, Harold. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so they cut the baby in half, and of course, the real mother says, "Give it away." And then the well, they didn't one, cut. They didn't cut the the baby in half. <laughs> Don't say they see? cut the baby in half. Come on. I'm testing you. Yeah. Okay. Well, they they threatened to. He, he yeah. said, "Okay, let's cut the baby in half. Give half to this woman and half to that woman." And the genuine, the real mother said, "Yes." No, she said no. <laughs> no I'm asking you. I I thought you went away somewhere because I've been cut off once or twice already. Yeah, no. The real mother said no. Don't do that. Don't cut. even if I lose the baby, I don't want it to die. So give the baby to the other woman. Yeah. And so with that, I mean, it's just such a famous, simple story that the that the true mother showed mercy and even was willing to give up the baby in, instead of having the baby killed. And and Solomon was wise enough to see that. That Why? Was... Okay, let's stop for a moment. Okay. Let's take a look at this. What is this about? What was the wi- wisdom of Solomon? See, this story illustrates why Solomon ultimately was not good. He was a failure. Oh, that's so funny because we actually, don't we most of the time see it as a, yeah. an illustration well, because, of his wisdom? That's because in our culture, we say the word, hey, wisdom. But in the Bible, wisdom is only that inspiration, that little Flip of light that comes okay. from God. And this is the idea. He prayed for wisdom. He prayed for nothing else. But don't most of the time when we read that story in our churches, Harold, or in our worship times, don't most of the time we think of that as a positive story of, wow, he solved that problem okay. very creatively. But what was wisdom? The, I know I don't usually do this, but the Talmud quotes, the greatest wisdom is love. Okay. So when he got from God, what he prayed for, he said, give me a sensitive heart. And God said, I will give you wisdom. And you have, from God, you have love. Now, to leave it there leaves wild love to go in any direction with no understanding, no knowledge, just to go in every direction. But how do you not see that story as No, no, I'm not saying that story. I'm, story. I want you to understand what's really being said. Okay. What's understanding is his. Harold, did you hear Harold? He goes, oh, boy. Did he, Harold, did you say, oh, boy? I said, no, no I didn't. I oh. said, oh, brother. Oh, brother. Uh, oh, brother. Brothers. Okay. Okay. Okay, what you got here is wisdom, the greatest. Wisdom is love. So what he did is Solomon was able to detect love because that's what was on his mind. That's what his heart was. He got it from God. God says, okay, you will see love. So when he saw the mother who really loved her child said, I'd rather my child be alive than dead. So I'll give my child if my child's alive. So he was able to discern the love. Well, that's positive. That's why. Well, who said it's not positive? But I'm saying this explains why he ended up with 700 wives and (laughs) and all the rest of it because he can't. He has no understanding, no knowledge. He's only got love because that came from God. Okay, but let's give him this one little story. He did the right thing there, didn't he? 
Of course he did. And okay. that's why it's the very first story that comes after he says, give me wisdom. Okay. And he says, okay, you got okay. wisdom. And he was able to discern real love. But if after, he had only stayed with that same... No. Then he has to have understanding and knowledge. This is why in the Bible, in our culture, we, and we've done this many times, in our culture we say wisdom is the best. That's not really biblical. Okay. Wisdom is always first in the Bible. Understanding, understanding is second, second and knowledge, and knowledge is, is last. Third. I, I, uh, I've, I've learned to say the sentences. Okay. Well, I'm still not quite sure well, I can I will it, tell you what. You will find it, actually. And I've got a couple of proverbs where it actually says it for you. Well, maybe Harold gets it. I mean, I think maybe Harold does. You know I, in fact, I'm I'm right where I was with my aunts and uncles teaching Sunday school back in the '60s. I'm I'm in that same place today. <laughs> you know, the story is the same, the feelings are the same, and and the thing I called about Sophie because I said you had asked a question, and uh, I guess you were asking uh, Jacob. You know, what do the Jewish people do? Uh, refer uh, referencing how the Christians. Um, behave and worship God, uh, altar calls and things like that. Yeah. And, and so, you know, uh, the, from my experience in the altar calls, you know, that I've seen in, in, uh, churches, um, I think, I really believe that the altar call, or what did I say, the, the call to God is a daily basis. Sure. And I'm saying this because, I'm not talking about these Christians that go up and they get saved and they're saved and every week. But out, well, it's not that they're getting saved every week. It's just that they need, I think they need recognition or they need um, closure. They need help. I don't think there's any closure because we. I'm only sixty. We got a ways to go. Oh, I see. I see. I see. You see, and I don't believe there's. I mean, you know, I've come a long ways. I don't believe that. If I go to a church and I do get saved and and I do go to the front and I take the altar call, that's not the end. No, you're right. You know, that's not the end. And and I think maybe maybe the Jewish people know this. Maybe uh, I think you know they. You know, it's just a thing where just because someone in a Christian church goes to the front and does that, and and they may do it every single week. Because I do think we need God's attention every single week, every day. So just to say you did that and then everything's fine, you can go on, you know, and life is fine, it's not. It's an everyday struggle, Jewish, Christian, or whoever. Yeah. And going to that front of that church is, I think it's a cry to help, and it's a cry for for God, for Jesus, for whoever's watching you know it's, it's a respo- I, it's a response there's no doubt about it. like i think more than the church uh, invitation altar call which you've used it and i and i understand that i i think of like the great crusades the billy graham rallies and so at the invitation time when people flood the aisles coming down to say i need that forgiveness i, I need that i mean there can be something very sincere and well and there is there something is, very sincere there is a that. moment of closure in the per- person's life this is a significant moment a significant life decision is made, but then of course you're right. We do tomorrow will come, and we have to walk that decision out, and we have to live it out, and we'll have another moment when we need God's help and a sense. But but the but the closure, I guess, is what I was pointing at is that we do have because of because of the message of the gospel being kind of closed and the, having come full circle. God, had, we don't no longer we no longer have bulls and goats and sacrifices. 
the Messiah, the Son of God himself has come. Redemption has been made. Atonement has been made in time and space. And now yes. we, we kind of have this built-in kind of a, a little bit of closure about that moment, at least. Well, Sophie, if if Jim, uh, Jacob could, uh, you know, correct me, you know, a lot of preachers say we don't sacrifice goats and cows and bulls or whatever. But but that stopped years. They uh, The preachers are seem to forget that once the Jewish people stopped all that, all the sacrifice with animals, they went to the pray, uh, uh, prayer. But that right. came later, you know, with the smoke and all that stuff. So, um, you know, what I'm also what I'm trying to say is, like, at the place I go, you know, we have Bible studies, we have different classes, we have different things, and anyone's invited. Mm-hmm. And during the course of our Bible studies, uh, our lives reflect with the Bible. It reflects with the Torah study. It reflects with the verses we're on, and we uh-huh. each share, you know, our. It, it seems to happen where we say, yeah. "Oh, this relates to me," and this, and we kind of go over it. People might not like it. Some people need more than others, but you know what? Hour and a half later, we get through and we feel great. And mm-hmm. I don't know if people feel vindicated, repented, or not. But, but there's but, a sense of closure that you've had an experience with God. God has spoken. Uh-huh. You've heard from God. And, and and you walk out with that sense of contentment that, I, in this moment at least now I've gotten my heart right with God and I and I'm I'm free to move forward now. It doesn't end the journey, of course, as you said, but I, I like that. And and I'm not asking Jacob that question in any sense of uh, it's a sincere wondering. How I, I'm I'm assuming in some way that their experience and their worship time includes that closure, that moment. And I'm just kind of wondering. How does it happen? What on what basis? How do they receive it? How do they come to that point? And I think I get it. I mean, the idea of atonement and forgiveness and cleansing and sacrifice is not new in Jesus. He I mean, he came to fulfill. He didn't do anything new. He came to fulfill what was already there and to give a clear, maybe clear picture, a little bit of maybe that closure that we're talking about. But it's part of why that's part of why the gospel exploded across the Roman Empire and swept. Millions of 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 uh, Gentiles into the kingdom of God is because it it it, it was no longer kind of in pictures or murky or whatever. It was clear and it was a positive, clear message. And wow, God does love us. He sent His own Son. He died. Oh, I can be forgiven. There was a certain amount of uh, closure and. And, um, May I ask you something about yeah, the closure? Sure, go ahead. I don't know why I'm using the word closure, but it's well, no, that's fine because I'm um, I'm going to pick on you a little bit. And um, <laughs> you asked me, you know, how do the Jews get their closure? This I don't understand it. This and that because we have the Christians had a fulfillment. Well, uh-huh. I listen to to y'all, you know, week after week, and the the Jewish people that study. I, I've heard you many times, and Jacob's going to say this, and he's going to explain this and explain that. I'm not the person to explain, you know, to give you that answer. But week after week, we hear things explained in a very deep uh, format. And believe me, there's people, I'm sure, that uh, Jacob can tell you that are deeper than he is with, with, with knowledge and uh-huh. and uh, enlightenment strength. And you get excited about it, and I get excited about it. I want to know what these stories mean, not just pretend to cut the baby and 
it just goes on and on and on and on. You know, I believe yeah. the Jewish people have the proof they need. The story continues, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, and um, I haven't called in a while, and so I was just hearing some of that. Good. Said, you know, let me call him. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. I tell you what happened. He gave me a disc tonight. He gave me a CD that has the preachings. He said, "You'd like to hear the preachings of a." Of a genuine uh, Orthodox rabbi, you know and how they preach and how they present the message, and I'm so glad to get it, and I'm looking so much forward to hearing it because it is one thing I've always wondered: is do do rabbi do they in their teaching and their presentation do they have anything like that altar call moment, that kind of closure with God? And I've always kind of wondered that. That's the reason that that was. Well, let the me reason ask you this: this Have you ever up. been to a bar mitzvah? For boy or a girl? I have to confess, I have not. I tell you, those are so. I cannot. I, it, it, they're not my kids, and it just brings me to tears sometimes because of the love, and that's God, uh-huh. and everything that the parents went through, and the rabbis and the teachers to come to and that you moment. Hear yeah. all these things up there, and if that's not some kind of closure, I bet you those parents would say. That's a piece of closure, and I'm glad we had got that part done. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I'm closure. trying to comprehend. Uh, that's well, you need to listen to, not, I don't say you need to listen, but you want to know the style. Yeah. The style. I'm, I'm surprised it. you haven't heard these styles yet, but maybe you don't well, have Well, you know, I, I'm not the uh, sharpest blade in the in the, uh, in the the box. There. Well, I, this is true, but neither am I, and, but neither are we the dullest. No, <laughs> that's I, true. That's no right. I'm not either. Uh, All right, kiddo. Hey, listen, you, you have answered a question well. Do, would you like to get your name on our list? The prizes went out this week. Everybody's gotten their prizes. No, There's, I. Uh, okay. no, um, I'm doing fine on prizes and things like that. Okay. I just enjoy uh, oh. calling. We enjoy hearing from yeah. you. We really do. All right. Hey, thank you, Harold, for calling in. Oh, sure. Let's All jump right. over and visit with Shireen. I hope Shireen is with, with us. N on the end. Shireen, have you uh, stayed with us through the... Uh... Yes, I hear something. Yeah. Hi, Shireen. Okay. Thank you so much for your patience. We're looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Well, the caller before me took my two that I wanted, but I'll try to oh, answer Oh, that's the okay. Next we'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, uh, I was going to answer the question about Zion. About um, okay, Zion. What? Where was Zion located? Well, Zion in the Bible always referred to either Israel or Jerusalem, which was the city of David. Okay, Jerusalem. I'll go with that for sure. Uh, and Israel. But, but let's give it a little bit more specifics, if you can. Now, you, Jacob knows more about this than I. I, I too have always kind of wondered. It talks about Zion, and I've never quite understood what Zion is. Is there any particular place in Jerusalem? Well, Israel. It's also referred to as Israel. If you look at Isaiah 4.3, uh-huh. it refers to the remnant that's going to be left. It says, he that is left in Zion and Jerusalem should be called holy. And we see another reference in Revelation 14.1 when he says, I saw the Lamb stand on the Mount of Zion, and with him was 144,000. So sometimes it's in reference to heaven also, or the coming, uh, I guess, paradise that God has for us. Very good. Excellent. Um, I'm glad you're giving these references. And then Lord, uh, Isaiah 8.18, the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. And so we see um, symbolically, it just seems to represent either Jerusalem, Israel, or heaven, or, or references to 
maybe heaven. That, that's what I wanted to ask about. Oh, heaven, you have you really it. answered my question uh, and with with bonus. That's great. I think uh, she's a winner. Oh, well, yeah, without a doubt. It's is that kind of wrong? everything she said is really really well, and of course. Uh, the temple was on Mount Zion, and uh, that's in Israel where currently the, the mosque stands, that, uh, the Muslim mosque. The Muslim mosque yes, is on the Temple Mount now. That is where Solomon's temple. Is Zion the same as temple, what we call Temple Mount? Yes. So you I would have that. Huh? And, and let me point out something. In, in the uh, Jewish scriptures, uh, as you, uh, and this, and what, Shireen, are you there? Yes, I am. I think you're going to love this. And please feel free to say you love it when I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, okay, so Mount Horev, uh-huh, we all know what that means. That is, that's, sword, right? Uh, that means sword, sword. But that is, believe it or not, Mount Sinai. Now, uh, and so it's Mount Horev. Now, what happens is Moses goes up there. He talks to God in a burning bush, all that business. And if you look real close... God, Moses says, who are you? And God answers Moses and says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But when they come back, Moses comes back from Egypt with the Jews. He goes back on the mountain and God says, I am your God. Whoa. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you ever noticed that, but that's the difference. And actually, now it's Mount Sinai, and if I, if you look real closely in the word Sinai, it was Mount Horeb, and as Sopi said, that means sword. But Sinai is made up of basically a word and a letter. Sinai, sin, it's sin. I am, this is the mountain where you brought your sin. But then when you take I, or the Sinai, that's the first pronounceable letter in Hebrew of God's name, the Yud. And you put that on sin. And by putting his name on sin, it's no longer sin. It is forgiven. And so, therefore, it's Sinai, because God has done away with sin. There's that closure I was And you know, about. that's true, because the Bible said he made Jesus to be sin who knew the sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. He, he who knew no sin became sin for us. Yeah. That, well, of course, that's bringing that a Christian concept to what I just said. But yeah. the fascinating thing is, if you know it's the same mountain, and they come back, and and if you get a chance, go back, and obviously you're pretty biblical literate, uh, Shireen. And so if you go back and look at the in chapter 3 of Exodus, you'll see, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then when they come back, he says, now I am your God. Am now your God. that wow. is what you might call in the Christian world a conversion concept. Wouldn't now, and I, and I would like to say, because I hadn't get a chance because I didn't want to interfere between Soapy and Harold, but I'd like to say I very much agree with Soapy that Christianity did explode across the Roman world and the Greek world. And one of the reasons I think is exactly what Soapy says. I think it very much is there. And I think it's what's helpful to the Roman world, the Greek world, is that you had fellows like the disciples. And John saying, well, Jesus dying on a cross means this. So they did not have to understand the Jewish stories. It was explained to them because Greek is a very, very powerful, precise language as English is. In a way, it's a standalone message that you didn't have to know all of the background of the prophets and all that. It, it had a message and they could respond. But how much help does it give us, Jacob, 
now that we're in Christ and we've come to that place, mm-hmm. how much help does it get? It's an incredible help to us to re, to re, learn about the background of our faith. The, mm-hmm. How it, it but, didn't just start with Jesus. He was the fulfillment of, of a long history well, of God. Well, for, for, mm-hmm. Christi- for the Christians, obviously. Yeah. Okay, but, may I ask a question? Yeah. Sure. Because um, you keep saying the Christian view, because I didn't hear the beginning of the show. Are you not a Christian? Me? Yes. I practice exactly the same religion that Jesus did. What does that mean? You're Christian. <laughs> yeah, well, Jesus, yeah. Jesus was because, a Jew. Because you keep saying a Christian view, uh, but if well, you that's because, well, that's because Jesus, the scriptures foretell of Jesus. They're uh-huh. all prophecy in the Old Testament right. foretelling the, the coming Messiah. That's the Christ- that, that would be, yes, and I respect that. I really do respect that. That's the Christian interpretation and understanding. Uh, think, but I'd like you to appreciate for a moment, if you would. Are we losing time, Sophie? Well, what? we just have to take another quick break. Uh-huh. But basically, that's part. Of, I was going to add that that's part of well, what Jesus also uh-huh. taught that. that he well, perhaps he did, and perhaps he didn't. Ah, well, we'll have to look at that. We're going to come back, Shireen. Can you stay with us through the break? Sure, Sophie. Okay, if you'd like to stay with us, or you can, of course, continue listening. You've uh, done a great job. We've opened up a good conversation for us tonight. We're going to come back in just a moment, folks, with more from the Bible Live Quiz Show. We're looking at the book of 1 Kings tonight, but, of course, our discussion is roaming broadly to the message of redemption, the message of the Scriptures in general. So uh, you can stay with us and call in and give us your thoughts as well. 340-9585. Don't go away. And we are back. Shireen has gotten us involved in a great discussion here in the studio. I hope that you'll join us as well, 340-9585. You're still with us, Shireen? I sure am. I'm glad you're there. And you have asked Jacob a little bit about, and it has to do with this relationship with what is the proper and right and correct to everybody, not to Jews and then to Gentiles or anything else, but what is the absolute correct, right understanding of the relationship between the life of this individual, Jesus of Nazareth, uh, who he was, what he claimed about himself and about his life, his death, his resurrection. How does the fact of Jesus and his life relate to all that preceded him? I mean, he obviously, Jesus was not a standalone truth. He was a Jewish man living in Israel. He, You talked about prophecies that he fulfilled. There was... There was an image, there was a lesson already taught and already out there that he simply gave a clearer, focused vision of the truth of that. I think, would you agree with what I'm saying, Shireen, or not? I do, Sophie. There's only one truth. And so yeah. that's why I was asking when he kept saying, well, that's the Christian version. I said, well, what is? there's only one truth in Christ. There's I don't a, guess when we get to heaven, truth. God's going to say, are you a Christian, are you a Jew? There's not going to be a doctrinal uh Test right, Jacob. I mean, we're, it's just going to be God's people. Yeah, and uh, I, I think it's God's people on earth also. 
Right. But don't you think it's what what Jesus said in uh, when they said there's salvation in none other, uh-huh. and that He's the way, the truth, and the life? Well, let me let me say this for you, so you appreciate. Do you know the Jews do not use the term Old Testament? Right, we know that. Oh, well, no, I'm asking Shireen. Shireen, oh, okay. do you know that? That the Jews don't. I I don't know uh-huh. um, a whole lot of the history okay. of. Well, let, of let the me Jews. help. The Jews do not use the word Old Testament or New Testament. And the reason for that is a sensitivity. Because when they are always told, and this is not that you have to agree, Shireen, but if you hear, you'll understand what they're feeling and what they're hearing. And I'm going to demonstrate in a moment. But here's the catch. If I say Old Testament, and then I say that's a foreshadow of the New Testament, the Jew is being told from what they hear, what they hear of their heart and their ears, is that, well, your stuff isn't really the real stuff. Your was only a foreshadow of the real thing. So the Jews, when they talk, they refer to, refer to the Jewish scriptures and the Christian scriptures. They don't demean the Christian scriptures. I've never heard them demeaned. But they don't refer. Now, suppose I turned it around and I said to you, well, the New Testament is only an aftershadow of the real thing, the Old Testament or the Torah, the Jewish scriptures. That would not be very palatable to you, would it? Well, no, it wouldn't because Jesus hadn't come in the Old Testament yet. So that that couldn't work for me. (laughs) I know it wouldn't work for you, and I'm not asking you to, but I'm showing you so perhaps you can appreciate what the Jews are feeling when they hear that. So if I say to you, if I reverse the exact same thing and I say, well, the Christian New Testament is really just an aftershadow of the real thing. You would say, well, that, that, that's not for me. I don't believe that. And so, therefore, when it goes back and the Jew hears that the, quote, unquote, Old Testament is only a foreshadow. And what they're hearing is it's being diminished and Jesus and the New Testament is the real thing. Now, well, Jesus I, is the okay, real thing. Okay, let me say, if I may say, I 100% support you. I agree with you, uh, that you're, and it's your right to say that. But that's not my focus. My focus is, if you can hear what somebody else is hearing and feeling by the words, it broadens our understanding, because the purpose of knowledge is to make us larger, not smaller. But, you know, we have a truth, and that is Jesus Christ is Lord. And you should hang on Every to the truth. Yeah, and, and he's the only way to salvation. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm not quite following. Okay. Um, well, I'm saying if I come to you and I called you a name, you wouldn't like it. Okay. And, yeah, and, and that's what people are not appreciating. If I'm that telling, if we say Jesus is Lord, that's offensive? No. When you say that the Jewish scriptures are not anything more than a foreshadow of the real thing, the Jews hear hear an insult. If I say to you that the New Testament, but it still, no, it, it still oh, hold, hold on, truth, Shereen, let me though. finish my thought. If if I say to you, reverse it and say the New Testament is nothing but an aftershadow of the real thing, that should. And I I would agree with you. But that's, that's not, not being said, Jake. Maybe but, uh, wait, wait. I want to say, say what I want to say. Maybe this some is people that say would be that. impolite of me, 
And I would not agree that that should be said. All I'm saying is, I understand, Soapy and Shireen, that that is not what the Christians mean. I sincerely understand that. But I also wish for everybody else to understand that when you say that with those choice of words, the Jews have been taught because of historical deeds throughout the centuries. They've been taught what that means. And so they hear something different than what you're actually saying. All I'm trying to make you aware of is the sensitivity of that statement. The sensitivity of language? Yes. Yes, that's all I'm expressing. But but that still um, doesn't change the truth because we were all lost. I mean, when people used to witness to me, I didn't want to hear it either. But the truth started penetrating the darkness in me. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're trying to do in bringing the light of the world Mm -hmm of Jesus' word. And, and I think if you, you study the scriptures in the Old Testament, oh. they foretell of Jesus coming all through the Old Testament. Okay. And that's not, if that's offensive to someone, then well, to me that's I, I demonic. Think you're being, I think you're being rather intentionally obtusive. I never said that that was offensive. I said just the opposite, that you're not hearing what's being said. And I also said that if I turn it around, you don't like it. What I'm saying but, is but I can accept everything you say. No, I, 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 I don't get offended by offended. someone that doesn't believe like me. I'm not offended like by that statement. What? I'm not offended by the statement that Jesus Christ is, is. even Jesus himself said, I've not come to destroy the law right. or start something right. new. I'm here to fulfill all that has gone before. Right. Even he said that. A, a, and who, uh, But I'm not arguing that point. What I'm telling you is please hear what's being said to somebody else. That your stuff, yes, there are prophecies in there about the Messiah. There's no issue about that. And and the, and I would never take away any or give any criticism to the New Testament or the Christians' belief that those are the fulfillment of the prophecies in the Jewish scriptures. I'm not taking that away. But what I'm saying is when you say like it is a only a foreshadow, then what you're saying is, all oh, that really didn't matter. Its only purpose was to be a foreshadow. If I turn the thing around and say, well, the only purpose of the New Testament is simply to be an aftershadow so you understand that the Jewish scriptures were the real thing, that's offensive. Not, no, it, it I, really... I'm not getting what you're saying, Paul, okay. because the Jewish people are the, were God's first chosen people. We understand that. We love the Jewish people. We love Israel. They are God's firstborn. And the, and the Jews love uh, the Christians. And we love them. The Jews so, pray. Did you know we, we, that but, in every Jewish synagogue, the Jews pray for Christians every 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 week? But I just, I responded to you that you kept saying that's the Christian version. Well, it is. Well, that's what Christians say. That well, is that's a, the truth. That is a Christian Jesus view. Christ, this is where they were first called Christians, Acts 11, 26. Yes. In in. You were first called Christians, so we know that we we are the, we were grafted in, um, you know. Yeah, Israel. We, we, we are were part first, of Israel, but still, there's truth, and yeah. truth should not offend anybody. Yeah, but nobody. You, I want to. We're about to lose you, Shireen. Yeah. I am so sorry. Okay, but your, your, okay. Your Sophie. cell phone might be breaking. And, and I want you to make it real clear, Shireen. In my world, and in the Jewish view that I believe is correct, nobody Jews 
have, do not have priority over anybody else. Everybody are, that believes in God are the people, the children of God. No, this is faith in Jesus Christ that makes you a children of and God. And I accept but, your belief. So, I'm going to go, belief. and I thank y'all very okay, much. Shereen. You have a blessed night. You too, you too. Thanks for calling in. I, I don't think I made a point with her. Well, that's all right. Keep talking. I mean, you know, you didn't with me either because I'm kind of confused a little myself. Uh, this is, uh, I'm still trying to get, I, I'm trying to give really the clearly benefit of a doubt. I don't, see, I don't see this clear, I don't see this separation between what's Christian and what's Jewish. I don't, uh-huh. I'm trying to look at this from God's perspective. And when we get to heaven someday, God's not going to be going well, there. Okay, you're, uh, you're a Christian? Yeah, or, but see, or you're, 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 con- you're conflating and confusing. And and those who don't, okay, right? let me ask you a question. When did the term New Testament first appear? When did a page of the New Testament first appear in the Bible? When? I've never asked myself. Uh-huh. I guess I ever asked well, myself. and why it appeared in America, in a, uh, actually out of Chicago, and what happened is because they were making a demarcation between the old covenant and oh, the new covenant. Let me make sure I understand your question. You were asking the question then: When was the phrase "Old Testament" and "New"? When was that and, term? And an applied? actual page appeared in the okay. Bible. When was that term? Okay. Uh-huh. okay yes. Okay. Huh? And the reason is okay. because there was understood, and I accept. When was it? I believe it was about in the 1880s, and I believe uh, I can research that. We all can. You can Google anything. But that's the first time that the page itself appeared. And the reason is because they were making a distinction between the old covenant, that was the Christian view, and the new covenant. And And what does that mean in your mind? That means that there was no distinction and that some folks wanted to create that. That's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. That means there was no distinction. Well, I, I guess what you're saying is that uh, for Jewish folk, you think of because the term Old Covenant or mm-hmm. Old Testament, yes. that that that's kind of uh, that's kind of a put down uh, that there is a New Covenant, New Testament, and uh, I don't believe that. I don't know if in, if the whole the terminology of Old Testament, Old Covenant, and New Covenant—I don't know that that's biblical. Do you know that Jews? New, do you know that Jews still believe in what you call the Old Testament? Well, sure, so do I. Uh huh. But no, they believe in it. I do too. Yeah, but you don't believe that that's how you should serve God. I do too. No, you believe your redemption, your salvation comes by Jesus. By the Jewish. Old okay. Testament Messiah. No, you. It's Jesus. If I cut off the New well, Testament, it has to be you're not. No, it doesn't. <laughs> or it's nobody. It's about, no, it doesn't. And what I'm saying is, when the Jews have a conversation, and so you understand, even if you don't agree, at least you can understand. So you're more involved with the concept of a Messiah no, I, than I, you are I, in actually a real person. No, Messiah. I'm. Con- uh, it's it's this. When the Jews have a conversation, they. I've never heard a Jew demean it, diminish. In any way, Christianity or the New Testament, but they use the term that they feel it's an equal term of. They call it the Jewish scriptures and the Christian scriptures. Well, see, I think just as Old Testament and New Testament, I, I don't. I'm not saying either one is insulting or demeaning. Mm-hmm. I'm saying they're confusing. It just as you say that using the term Old Testament and New Testament is uh, is confusing, right. and, and you even say demeaning. I would say saying it, with a right understanding uh-huh. of the scriptures, uh-huh. 
saying Hebrew script, or Jewish scriptures and Christian scriptures, that's also confusing because God doesn't have two messages. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have two different ways of coming to be a, of atonement and coming mm-hmm. to be reconciled to God. God has, I think, and I think you would agree with me, there is there one God, one salvation. God is calling all of humanity, every human being from whatever religious background, national background, linguistic background, he's calling us all to be reconciled to him, and he has made one provision in time and space in history it has been a progressive revelation of himself and of his plan, but he's made one provision, one plan, and that ultimately culminated in the, the final this one this individual, this Messiah who came. A but Jewish I don't man. think I don't think we're arguing about the content of okay. what you're saying. I think we're arguing about what you're saying and how you're saying it. Okay, I get that. So and and, I, and that's why I said to you. Just as you think, maybe the uh, the terminology of Old and New Testaments. Well, it's not me. I don't even know that I, that's I, biblical. I, I don't even know where that came. That would be a good subject well, of research. I, I, I one time I did research it where because did that I, come from? I, I, well, I it's because when the page appeared in the Bible, it said New Testament. Okay. If indeed it was considered by Christians to be a simple continuing revelation, as you say, why would they need that page marking that demarcation? Don't blame me for that. Well, before my I know, time. but you keep blaming me for things. <laughs> no, 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 I, I don't. Yeah, you I, say, I say, I don't say. I'm telling you that Jews feel that, they're, that when they hear the word, oh, the Old Testament is simply a foreshadow. I'm telling you that that could be said in such a way that it would not, no. they wouldn't be hearing something different. No. You have to, you have to believe me, okay? You just have to believe this. And I can't speak for all Christians, every person who's ever said a sentence in his life. But we're not talking about Christians. Okay. We're talking about the Jews are here. But I'm saying that that's the topic. When I say, when I use the term Old Testament, New Testament, or when I say that I never, no Christian I know of, no Christian I know of, mm-hmm. I knowingly at least. Right. Uh, somebody might have a secret belief I don't know about, but I, I don't know. Because uh, there, there is a guy, there is a guy in New Zealand deeper yeah. than most. I would say most conversations go, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know a personally a Christian who says that. Oh, the Old Testament doesn't matter. It's all just it doesn't matter anymore. It's all been uh, surpassed, and it's now all subjugated underneath. Oh, the I don't none. Okay, I have never said that in all my life. Well, may I up. suggest? I never said that as a fifteen-year-old boy. Well, I, I knew that it was all. May I suggest a better term? It was all one of one piece. I can suggest a better term. The word Bible. There you go. That's why we call it the Bible life. <laughs> so, but what the I, Bible life? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, with the book, yeah. I get it. I, I really do. And I understand what you're saying. I think even Shireen would understand that. Uh, and I think what she was trying to argue for and what I'm kind of is that we're trying to speak out about that the one piece concept. It's all of one piece. It's but if not, I if I give you that. We are no longer Jewish. If I, give, if I give you that privilege and respect that uh, position and say I respect exactly what you or Shireen say. I, I accept it. I, I award you for it. I support it. Mm-hmm. You agree with it. Yeah. I, I agree with it. But so what is the issue if I say your choice of words is not a very well thought through choice of words? That I don't think either Shireen or I would say. We would probably both say 
Yeah, you're probably right. Because we didn't choose the words Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, but but I'm talking even, even the word foreshadowing. Because as you know. Well, that is a biblical word. That's in a biblical. Right. Well, it certainly appears in the quote unquote New Testament. I, I don't. I, I'd have to research that as well. As well. But, uh, but what but, I'm saying is, look, if uh, look, you come from a, a Indian background, uh-huh. you know when people are using double on. That's in, Indians with feathers, not Indians. I, with I understand. Okay. But but you know when people are using what you might consider a double entendre. And, and you know, and, and black people do. Everybody knows. I'm just suggesting, and I'm not getting yeah, all politically correct. Yeah. I don't care about being political correct. Or if I did, I would not be saying what I'm saying. It's now. about being sensitive, right? Well, it's about being precise in your words and your thought. I like that. I, I really do. And I, I suspect you're right about that Old and New Testament thing. I, I, I understand from long, long ago... The whole idea, the idea of the word testament, me a covenant of the the old way of God's old way of dealing with men and women, and in and in greater revelation, the new covenant with the coming of Messiah. Now I understand where it comes from, but I think what we have made a mistake of as Christians is to separate as if as if they're two totally different messages and they don't have anything to do with each other. Whereas that the the New Testament makes it very clear that. It's all of one piece. There is no Jew, there is no Jew and Gentile. The, the well, would you accept? Can you can you live down. with this? If I say I accept one hundred percent of everything you're saying from the Christian point of view, it's the whole Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, everything you've just said, accept it. So there you go. Now, if I Torah oh, is still wait in- wait a minute. Now are we've taken care of the, your thoughts. Now I'm going to address <laughs> mine. Okay. Now. If I come back and say, look, the Jews believe in the what you, the Tanakh or what you call the Old Testament. They do not accept the New Testament. Are you comfortable with allowing them their freedom also? I'm as comfortable in allowing them that freedom as God is in allowing them that freedom. Well, I, now that's quite that's quite a person is. Going I, to have, I think God's very like flattered saying, by being compared to you. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm comfortable with because that's the way God is. God gives every human being free will. It's like you saying, uh, I believe the same thing that Jesus. Well, I, and I didn't ask what God was thinking. Yeah, I'm asking, are you comfortable with it? No, I think the New Testament. I okay, think the but we, but we've taken. Listen, sir, we're gospel, taking care. Okay. I'm accepting everything a Christian said. I think now I'm gospel, saying, does somebody else have freedom too? Oh, sure. Well, then that's the answer. But leave, you, leave the Jews but alone. You have mislabeled what you say Christians believe. You're saying no. Christians believe that the Old Testament is no longer relevant. No, I'm no, not. I never said those words. Well, you're, then you said, what if I say? That the, I believe everything the Old Testament says, but I don't believe the New but Testament. But whatever you say, you say the Old Testament, New Testament, it's all Bible. I say, okay, fine. That's the Christian I the acceptance. Whole Bible. I'll use the language. I believe okay. the entire Bible. But what's the issue? Genesis to Revelation. I'm saying, fine, that's what you think. And is that what you're saying as well? No. I'm okay. saying that I accept what you say. But I'm saying the majority of Jews do not accept the New Testament. But that was what Testament. Shireen was asking yeah, well, you, no, I, I don't, what, I, I don't think, what, I think people are talking too much and not listening enough. That's what triggered this entire conversation is Shireen happened to wander into the world of, oh, uh, that, oh, I thought you, so you're not, so she was thinking that you did agree with the one Bible concept and the entire Bible from beginning 
from Genesis to Revelation. Look, I, do, I may not agree with certain other religions. For example, if I may, uh-huh. I may not agree with Mormonism. I may not agree with Jehovah's Witnesses. But you know what? I accept as human beings they got the right to form their own beliefs. Uh, well, that wasn't exactly what she was asking. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. And what I'm saying is, what you're saying is you understand everything about Christian Bible, Christian beliefs. I accept. No issue. Now I'm saying... But you don't... You accept, but you don't agree with that, that, I just want to... Am I able to finish my sentence or not? Can I finish my sentence? Yeah. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> the, I'm saying, but on the other hand, the Jews only, mostly, only accept what you would call the Old Testament. And they're entitled... To that. Now, if they choose to change and take a Christian view, that's great. If they choose not to, that's their choice. Well, we're both overstating a great deal. What you would say is, some Jews, or maybe even most Jews, I don't know what I don't know the percentage of Jews. There, are, there are millions of Jews who do see the entire message of the Bible as one message, one continuing message of God's redemption, and that, and they do receive and accept and believe uh, the. Gospels and the Book of Acts and Romans and Corinthians, the Epistles. I don't. Nobody's there, there are, no, but, do, but nobody's arguing. Who do that. agree with that? Yeah, but there's nobody arguing that. That's a different point. Well, no, you're just, you're just jumping to make a point. I was just clarifying because you said the Jews. The, I would say, things. listen. I don't think there's any issue. There are some Jews that believe exactly as you say, yeah. but I think, in all fairness, many most Jews do not. I think they accept as they understand. That it's about the Messiah. And I think that's what Shireen was asking you. She well, thought you were among those who did agree. Old and and, and but, I like yeah, but the you phrase, see, I'm of the same religion we need, Jesus we need precision of thought here. I, I told Shireen, whatever she thinks and about, that's fine. I'm not criticizing. I accept it. I personally accept it, if that's what you're asking. Now that we put the personal stuff aside... I'm trying to draw attention to the majority of the Jews that have a certain point of view. And they may not agree. And to them, not agreeing to be told their stuff is only a foreshadow is not the way to open the door to talk to Jews. Now that That's I, not the way to do it. Yeah, I'll, I'll be taught. I'll, 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 I'll try to be learned. Just like I think one great Jewish person said many years ago that we admire. Uh, he said, I, I'll, I'll become all things to all people, <laughs> I, whatever. I'll become Jewish, I'll become Christian, I'll become this, or whatever it helps people to understand the truth, God's love, God's forgiveness, the re- plan of redemption, and that they can walk in a, in a confident, secure relationship with the creator of the universe. Uh, whatever helps people to understand that, that God has offered himself and opened himself to that relationship okay. with us. I, and I accept that. I'm willing to go with it. Uh-huh. Great, go with it. Yeah. And there are some folks that's not willing to. And I'm not saying it's Jews. I'm saying maybe somebody else. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. All we can proclaim is what what we we hope we're proclaiming. Well, let's face it. This is a this is a Christian show, and it should be supportive of Christian beliefs. Broaden ourselves. No, it's a Christian show, and it should be supportive, and I support the Christian beliefs. There you go. That's the best we can do for this evening, folks. I think it's been lively. I hope you don't mind a lively discussion and honest. And uh, Jake and I still love each other greatly. We're still great friends. And you can make up your own mind as you read the scriptures. Listen to them every night here on The Bible Live. The Bible show, Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry.
Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live, Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.